Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today I have Sarah Smith with me. Sarah, thank you for taking time away from, you were in a coffee shop before you agreed to come out to a quiet place, right? <laughs> I definitely was. All right. And what were you spending your time doing in the coffee shop other than drinking coffee? <laughs> yes, I was drinking coffee, but I was also um, having a one of our COP calls. Okay, So cool. we had illustrious Tim Zach talking about um, how to formulate talk. So I'm in that mood. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. Um, and so we're going to talk about something that you've been kind of working on to create a talk with today. And that is about how to some basic th- things that a scrum master would have to consider in order to survive their job and not get fired every day. Yes, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we go into the topic, can you give the folks a little bit of background on you just so they can get to know you better? Sure. So I am a staff consultant at Leading Agile, and my background is primarily in transformations for companies that are going to Agile or SAFE. So I've worked in SAFE organizations. I've worked in um pretty pure agile organizations, as pure as they can be. Um, And I've also worked in a hybrid model, you know, where an organization is going from waterfall to agile and kind of been a change change agent for a lot of different um, groups within one particular organization. So I deal mostly in transformation. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, and what's the basic pr- thesis or premise of the, the topic that you're working on with, with the Scrum Master role? So basically, Scrum Masters, especially in a safe organization or any organization that's doing a major transformation of any sort, they have a lot of different stakeholders and they have a lot of people that they need to satisfy in order to move the team forward. And especially in transformations, because they're helping drive that change. They're the coach on the team. They're the ones that are on the front lines that have to manage those relationships that they have either on the team or outside of the team. Okay. So they have a lot of people clamoring for what they Many masters to to serve. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of people that they need to satisfy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things I say in class about the PO role is that the product owner's job is basically to disappoint people all day long. Um, because they have to tell everybody no. But are you are you seeing sort of a lot of that going on with the Scrum Master too? I think, so I don't necessarily take a tact of, you know, this is supposed to be where the Scrum Master comes in and says no. Okay. It's mostly that it, it helps inform a conversation and a negotiation. Because if they're constantly saying no, yeah. um, then that burns a lot of the political and social capital that they have within that organization because they're known as the person who, you can't work with right. because they just completely shut you down. So this is one of the things that I get asked a lot about is people come in and, and I talk about how regardless of what role you're in, if you're on some kind of scrum team, whether it's you know regular scrum or safe scrum, there you do have to have that ability to negotiate and to push back. And, that, and saying no mm-hmm. is one of the things that people struggle with the most. So how do you are there are there things that you would say would help a scrum master become better prepared to figure out when and how they can push back in a diplomatic manner? I think one of the hardest things for me to learn when I was a scrum master in organizations is that I could say no, but I could also do it in a way that wasn't completely shutting the person down or out. So okay. learning how yeah, learning how to say um, okay, well, that's something we can put in our backlog. What's the priority on it? Do you have some metrics around what the cost of delay is? Do you know, do you understand how the, how it will impact the business if we don't do this? 
you know, okay. and making sure that, you know, if they've got stakeholders who are breathing down their neck, understanding where it's coming from and why it's such a hot topic at that exact moment. Yeah. And, and so you said, you know, what's the impact if we don't do it? But what's the impact if we do? If you want this thing done again, okay, fine. But then what are we not going to do? Of course. Yeah. And that's always, a, that's always, I think, especially for new Scrum Masters, when they start, when they're in that role and they start having to deal with very, very strong personalities. Yeah. Who've never been saying, told no before. Exactly. You know, if you have a VP coming down and saying, and they're going around you, especially as a scrum master, because that happens a lot in transformations is, um, you know, they have VPs or they have higher ups that may have a relationship with say the architect or, you know, a team lead or even one of the developers on the team, something like that, that they say, Oh, well, Bob, just go ahead and do this because I really need it. Um, it's really how do we, how are we making sure that we're going through the right avenues to, and I think Brandon Dudley said this on a call, cut off the back and side doors yeah. of the input. Well, okay. So let's, let's stay with this for a couple minutes. Cause this is a very real situation that, that a lot of people face. I go into an org, I'm a scrum master and let's say I'm fairly new. Like I've only been at this for, you know, like a year or so or, or less. And I don't really feel like I have, I don't know. I don't. I don't have enough on my back to be able to just say to people like, "No, we're not going to do that," and and have it like you know, like a Jedi mind trick. So I'm still not really sure how to navigate that. How do I figure out how to push back on that executive that's trying to sneak in through the side door, and how do I know which ones I can push back on and which ones I can't? So a scrum master, when they first get into the organization, they have a lot of different people that they need to satisfy, and I. I refer to it mostly as stakeholder mapping, just on a different view. There's stakeholder mapping that we do from an organization standpoint of influencers within the organization. And for a scrum master, they also have that, right? They need to know what those relationships are. So we can kind of take the political mapping that we do, political stakeholder mapping that yeah. we do at Leading Agile, and really apply that to a scrum master. But a lot of scrum masters will take the tact of being hyper-focused on protecting the team yeah, and completely disregard what the, what the needs of the business are. If there's great ideas that are coming to them, yeah. even if it is from a higher level person, if it is a great idea, it is a great idea. So how do you work that in and how are you paying attention to those stakeholders? So that's, I want to and pause on, I'm, wait, pause on that for a second, because that's really important. Okay. I think it's a lot of people, especially if they come out of a command and control organization, they get mm -hmm. very dogmatic about saying, you are not bringing that into a sprint. You are not talking to my daily scrum. And it's like the only thing they have that they can control. And some people get so hell bent on building those walls up that they're going to mm -hmm. ignore the times. And you should be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That is the right thing to do. Totally violates everything we said we were going to do, but it is the right choice to make. Like, like you said, if it's a great idea, it's a great idea. Right. And if there's something that is a high priority idea that comes through, oftentimes I'll say, you know, make sure that you're communicating with the product owner and it's going through the product owner to have that prioritization happen. And it can go into the next sprint and it's going to be negotiated to either replace something that was recent up until recently viewed as a higher priority item. But it's always that negotiation. And that's yeah. that. That that's where I think the scrum master and the product owner roles are so important to work together. They're kind of I view them as like the dynamic duo, especially on a team. 
Yeah. Because they have to have each other's back. They have to understand where they can start having those conversations, where to piece that stuff in. And if the scrum master says, hey, you know, somebody came to me, they really want to put this particular work item into the backlog. Well, how can we do that? Is that something that you, you view as some high priority? Let's talk about what we can do in that way. Through that negotiation, instead of just always saying no, they get to be somebody in the organization that is still protecting the team because they're going through the right processes of we're going to put this into the backlog, but it may not be at a highest priority as, as this particular individual wanted. Right. Or um, they also get to recognize the value of things. So they're still satisfying multiple parties, but I I have a friend who's a lawyer. She's a contract lawyer, and she says the best mediation is the one where everybody walks away a little bit unhappy <laughs> because you're not because <laughs> not everybody's not getting exactly what they want, but it's yeah. enough to get them moving forward. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. actually pretty awesome. Okay, so um, I want to go back to the mapping thing a little bit. I know that like if we if leading agile comes into an organization and we're doing transformation work, there is a lot of mapping stuff that goes on, capability mapping, impact mm-hmm. mapping, things like that. But let's say that it's somebody who's off on their own working at a company, just a scrum master by themselves. They don't have an agile coach. Can you? I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to give them something tactical that they can take away from this podcast. So, can you explain a little bit more about the mapping and how it works? So that if I was just sitting there by myself at my own little company, or you know, in a company, that I could start to approach getting the lay of the land in terms of the pol- politics and sort of the pro con thing, because this this is something that I have done. I didn't even know it was something other people did when I started doing it, but. Um, I did it in traditional project management too. I think it is one of the most important things for somebody who is managing work or managing teams can do to keep themselves safe. So how can you explain how it works? So, and I've been in that situation before where I've been this lone scrum master that comes into an organization and it was a client I had. There was not really a coach there to help direct anything I was doing. Um, And so what I had to do was I started with a person who I quote unquote reported to and started understanding and building that relationship with them of, okay, this person is the director of development. They have, um, you know, they have purview over these particular individuals. And what I had to do is really understand how the organization was set up. Like how was, what's the makeup of the team? Is it a lot of, contractors on the team is a lot of full-time employees have the employees been there for 30 years um with like some some cases i've been in uh in a company in atlanta they had a lot of company or they had a lot of employees that had been there 20 30 years and so they had a lot of and they were going through this transformation and they had a lot of people that were survivors of change saying well this agile transformation thing is it's just another flavor. Yeah, we're just going to so, ride it out. Hide in the corner till yeah. it's over. <laughs> we're going to hunker down and, you know, the big bad agile won't get to us. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is really a big deal, too. If they've been there for 30 years, they, they survive change. They know how to withstand the storm. The consultants yes. that are in there. And they're good at it. <laughs> yeah. And, and they'll sacrifice yeah. others in order to do it, most likely. The consultants have been told often... You find a way to attach yourself to the carpeting so that you never have to leave. 
Um, or there's a perception, even if, because I wasn't one of those kind of consultants, but there was always a perception that I was. Um, mm -hmm. All those biases have a big impact on what happens. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of miscommunication around transformations, at least the ones I've been in, where you bring in a coach or you bring in an outside person that's going to help with the transformation. And the thought is, is that this person is going to try and get me fired or they're just going to stay here and, you know, collect money forever and not change anything. And what what's really cool about leading agile is that we don't want to be there forever. <laughs> we want to make sure that we're helping you and moving on. And then on. we leave. Yeah. 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 Because that's not a success story for us. Right. If right. we're just, yeah, if we're just transforming something, but we're staying there forever. <laughs> so for a scrum master who is, um, trying to get a better sense of this work, of how this works, are there things that you have done to, practice this like to if it's somebody i mean I, I run across a lot of people who would love to be able to say no to an executive but they've never done that and they don't know how to get to a place where they have that experience you know because somebody like me is saying no no that's the fun part when you're waiting to figure out if you get fired or not like that's the exciting part of work now <laughs> they, they're on the other end of that yeah. spectrum um how did you mm -hmm. develop this ability i think part of it because i you know to hearken back to my younger days, I was a very timid and um, I would say more of an introvert kind of person. Okay. And, you know, and to be honest, a lot of my thick skin was developed when I was bartending through college. <laughs> so I kind of had to learn how to say no to a lot of drunk people. But tactically, Whoa, hold on, though. This experience. is really important. This is one <laughs> of the reasons that the people that work in the service industry are, I think, better prepared to work in any kind of capacity of managing teams than anybody else because you know how to live <laughs> off your tips and you know how to tell mm -hmm. people what they can't have even when they want it. And in your case, it's even worse because they're drunk. Yeah. And when I was 20 or 21, I worked at a biker bar. Wow. And so, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of people that were, you know, they they knew how to get what they wanted, right? Yeah. But, you know, if, if you ended up over serving somebody and they went out and killed somebody, that's a huge issue, right? Yeah. So you had to be very, very firm in your no. <laughs> wow. And that was not a negotiation. Yeah. So that's, right? so, so you had some, some practice at scarier stuff before you had to do this. <laughs> it's scary in its own way, but yeah, some definite practice there. Okay. Um, have you ever had anybody do stuff like role playing to practice through this or anything like that? Yeah, I've definitely done it, especially when I am in a situation where, you know, I have somebody coming up. He's a, I had one instance where it was a VP and he had a lot of influence within the organization. Okay. Because a lot, he had a lot of direct reports that were kind of scattered throughout the team. Yeah. And they were contractors. So if they don't, you know, if they say no to their boss, it's a lot, you know, there's a lot higher risk for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's when I've had to go to, you know, if I have a, somebody in the organization that I trust and I can go to, because usually you want to make sure that when you first get there, you anchor yourself to somebody who you can help build trust with. Yeah. And that, you know, I think that comes as just failing a lot, quite honestly. And so you have that trust established with somebody, ideally, and you can go through and say, okay, I have this individual who is pushing a lot of folks to work weekends and nights. 
for example, and I, you know, that's not a sustainable plan. I need to make sure that these people are focused on what we're doing, that they're not doing extra work, and that they're top notch for the backlog that we have for them, yeah. that they're working on throughout their sprint. So how do we do that? And I'll go through and I'll role play. Okay, well, his motivation was X, Y, and Z, right? Um, you know, this VP might have been nervous that he wasn't going to keep his job if they didn't deliver on some things. Um, it could be that you know, he's made commitments to other people that none of us would even know about, right? So making sure that we're role-playing through this and being able to understand their motivators, but also right. balance that with what the team actually needs so that you have you understand what the team needs and you can say, I understand that there's a lot of pressure coming down on you right now. However, the team has got to focus on this particular sprint because there are key stories that have to get done for features that we have coming up that have to go into X release. Okay. There's different levers you can pull. And for me, I really try and stay out of the, out of the emotions. I keep, I want to keep it very factual based. Yeah. You know, what do we have that's going into an X release? What do we have that's really going to impact the next work we have coming up? Okay. Right. Do we have dependencies that other teams are relying on our work to get done? Okay, cool. Um, I feel like we could, I'm going to, I know we have to go in a second. I feel like we could talk about this for days, but are there um, any resources that you could recommend to people, books or, or videos or anything that you think they should check out if they want to learn more about this? Well, I had to step out of the Starbucks, so I'll have to get you that list because it's on my laptop there. All right. So we'll make sure to include that with the show notes and I'm going to include some as well. Um Cool. What if they want to get in touch with you? What if they have follow-up questions about this, especially on the safe side? Because that's not something I dig into often in the podcast. But um, what if folks yeah. want to reach out to you? So my LinkedIn is Sarah Lee Smith, S-A-R-A-H-L-E-A. And I think everybody knows how to spell Smith. And my email is sarah.smith at leadingagile.com. Sarah right. with an H. All right, and I'll make sure to include this in the in the show notes as well. I really appreciate you doing this, and this was our first podcast together, so thank you for being willing to suffer mm -hmm. through it. <laughs> it was wonderful. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I'll let you get back to your coffee. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dave. Mm -hmm.